0: Welcome to the Alpine Threat and Fraud Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss business approaches to reducing risk, improving regulatory compliance, and accelerating public safety. Now, this is a pretty broad subject, and each episode is going to focus on specific challenges, technologies, or roles that's relevant in efforts to protect society and keep the bad guys away. My name is Earl Stevens, and I'm the Director of Threat and Fraud uh, the practice here at Alpine, and I'm joined by Stan Duda, the founder and CEO of Alpine Consulting. Stan, it's great to be with you. Can you tell us a bit about
1: Alpine? Hey, thanks, Earl. I appreciate it. I'd be happy to do so. Um, Alpine's is an Austin, Texas-based information technology solution firm uh, we're focused on solving business challenges through the use of technology. So we've got uh, two practice areas, one being e-commerce, uh, where we integrate and deploy Really complex e commerce platforms using Magento, which is owned by Adobe, uh, Big uh, Commerce, and IBM WebSphere Commerce. The other practice area uh, is built around threat and fraud. And for this podcast series, we're going to focus really on the threat and fraud piece. Our threat and fraud practice really has traditionally been vertically focused around banking, financial services, law enforcement. Um, and then some others as well. We go into the corporate-based uh, investigations as well, covering uh, some of the other vertical industries, be like insurance or gaming, hospitality, retail, and, and some others as well. So hopefully over the next uh, several podcasts, you'll get to learn a little bit about us, but also, and more importantly, learn about the techniques that we utilize in order to help to uh, solve some of the threat and fraud issues that are faced, both from a regulatory uh, and then just generally finding bad people. Um, and then if you've got specific, uh, items that you'd like to learn more about, we'd love to, to hear about that and, uh, work closely with you. Hopefully, uh, we'll bring in some, some guest speakers as well. And, uh, everybody can, can step away learning a little bit more. Okay, so today we're going to talk about Entity Resolution. Some We're going to share some real-world ex- experiences, the challenges. Uh, we'll explain the value and uh, where it works well. Uh, it's really a building block for better figuring out who's who, who knows whom, and how are they related.
0: Yeah, and a, a little story time here. I uh, uh, started out with a little startup company down in Las Vegas, uh, about 15 years ago, and uh, we were just starting to explore the concept of entity resolution. We started out uh, with a technology that would help gaming companies um, identify you know, their high-value customers, their whales that came into the casino. They wanted to be able to tell that when a, uh, an avid poker player came into the, the casino, that they also were able to identify his wife, uh, treat her well, get her into the spa, just be able to to, to win more wallet share uh, from these individuals um, when they came into the casino. Um, And as that evolved, it also had implications for national security, for intelligence and things like that. But I want to share a a little story that illustrates what uh, entity resolution is. Um, So as we would go out and sell this technology, often what we would do is take a, a sample of the customer's data and we would compare that data with various bad guy lists or even good guy lists if they had high value customers. And we would show them relationships or interesting entities that we were able to pull together. Um, and we would often uh, present this these interesting relationships and entities to the management team. And my job at the time was to uh, take these samples of data, run them, and to cherry pick some interesting examples out of the data, put it into a PowerPoint presentation and feed it to the sales guys who would uh, present it. And so sometimes the relationships that I found were fairly pedestrian and and not exciting. Uh, Things that I thought were exciting would would fall flat and uh, they weren't as groundbreaking as I thought they were. But on one occasion, we were presenting to a casino company. Uh, We were going through the relationships and it was going as usual. Uh, you know, we had a few nodding heads and, and things were things were going well. We got to about relationship number eight on there, and it happened to be a current uh, executive who was related to a current vendor. And again, this was about slide number eight on the PowerPoint presentation. I, I tried to put the exciting ones up front and at the end, and this was what I thought was more of a pedestrian one. As I started stepping through why uh, those entities were related, um, there started to be a lot of nervous looks around the room. Uh, People are looking at each other, fidgeting. And I thought, you know, maybe the sales guy zippers down or something. It was was really strange. But as it turned out, the high level executive um, was sitting in the room and the relationship was that, he shared an address with a a vendor that had uh, that the casino had dished out about 300,000 over the past year. Uh, They were selling coaxial cable into the casino at inflated prices. And so at that point they stopped the presentation. Uh, The CEO got up and left the room with this particular executive. And then the CEO came back into the room alone. Uh, So, Entity resolution has uh, a lot of different applications. It can be used for fraud detection, fraud prevention. It can also be used for things like marketing, like I mentioned. Let's make sure that we're treating our high, that we know who our high value customers are, and that we're treating them well, and uh, uh, helping you from that perspective. So that being said, that was a quick little story on entity resolution. Uh, Stan, you want to talk a little bit more about what entity
1: resolution is? Sure. So entity resolution, you know, sometimes it's referred to as data linkage or record joining. Um, identity resolution or entity resolution amongst other terms, uh, but it's, it's essentially logically joining uh, associated data. Uh, and it was done obviously long before computers were around. So as we said a little earlier, kind of in layman's terms, entity resolution is really the process of determining the who is who got
0: it and i'll I'll give you a quick example there so if you were born in an english-speaking country you probably know that the names bob and robert are variations of the same name and if you're from a spanish-speaking country you'd likely know that roberto and beto are the same Uh, computers don't know this on either case and they will likely create separate records for bob and robert so if you for example uh, do a credit card application um you know, under the names Bob and Robert, it's conceivable that that you could get two different credit cards. That that probably wouldn't happen today. The match merge technologies are, uh, people have got this down, but a simplistic example there, you know, a computer doesn't know Bob from Robert and we need to give it some help. Um, When you start adding a lot of other information about Robert, things like addresses, phone numbers, physical attributes, transactional data, things get a lot more complicated as well. And this is why you get three separate, separate envelopes of the same piece of junk mail. You know, you're in the system as Bob or Robert or Kathy or Catherine, and computers just don't have the wisdom to uh, connect those variations.
1: Good, good examples. You know, over the years, programmers have created a lot of different methods in scripts to co- overcome these things. Um, a lot of it is, uh, is hard-coded, so using logical routines... Uh, so that as, as part of their coding effort, Bob equals Robert or ST period, uh, on an address equals street. Um, that, that works at some level, but my goodness, it, it takes literally, uh, an ongoing team of people to maintain that level of coding. Um, some other methods, things like deterministic matching, uh, deterministic matching really, It's really, uh, either unique identifiers for data, uh, each record are compared, uh, determining a match or an exact comparison, things like uh, a national ID or social security number, uh, passport number, driver's license numbers, and so on. And then the other method, which happens uh, quite a bit is uh, probabilistic matching. Uh, It takes several fields, uh, values that are compared between two records. And then each field would be assigned kind of a weight, that indicates how closely the two field values match. So the sum of the, the field individual uh, field weights would indicate then the likelihood of a match between the two records. So obviously the use of the computers and methods for matching uh, such as probabilistic matching led the way to some greater accuracy, I suppose. Uh, and it did push the concept forward for entity resolution, but you know, as time progressed and the use of machine learning, there's a lot more options uh, for improvement and, and accuracy, really, uh, which started, I guess, probably, what, Earl, back in the, in the 90s? Yeah. Um, l- leveraging some of the other attribute-based data to help better associate and relate the data started to come about. So I, I think we're starting to finally see some technologies, uh, especially with the use of AI, uh, the artificial intelligence that have accelerated the the ability to do matching in a in a contextually smart environment.
0: Yeah, you bet. In some applications, I guess we can talk about some applications within each of the industries. Uh, banking and financial services environment. Uh, these folks are usually on the cutting edge of adopting technology around uh, you know knowing who is who, mainly because. Uh, the government tells them they have to. They have to be very good at, at knowing where money's going and who's transferring it to who. And if they don't, there's some serious fines out there for doing that. So we're often seeing uh, like the finance industry or healthcare on the cutting edge of, of adopting these kinds of things. So in banking or financial services, there again, regulatory compliance uh, requirements that uh, you have to know who a beneficial owner is or know your customer. Um, some other things out there. Uh, the, the KYC, the uh, beneficial owner, there are two requirements that necessitate you to perform entity resolution. And that uh, helps determine the, the integrity if you may be dealing with the same individual uh, who's representing themselves in a different way or not. It, they just need to be able to know if somebody's trying to do funny business with their identity in order to, you know, get an account or to transfer money and things like that. Uh, and then they have to bounce customer information or transaction information off of watch lists as well and make sure that they're not doing business with known criminals or known undesirables out there. And I'll give you an example of how this happens. Um, my, my boss, Stan here, that's on the, the podcast with us, he could represent himself as Stan, Stanley, Stosh, Stanislav, all could be legitimate representations of his name. Um, and he may use those in different contexts, or he could be doing that as a smokescreen to to cloud his identity, to try and skirt under the radar of the, uh, the logic that governs uh, some of these banking functions. And
1: Stan, I think you have some
0: stories around this as
1: well. Yeah, I, I do. You know, I, I th- think about uh, one of the law enforcement examples um, that I share often, uh, from some work that we've done up in Minnesota, uh, in law enforcement, it seems like most agencies have migrated from one records management system or RMS to another over the years. And they're, they're left with legacy solutions that are stacking up and data isn't migrated. So they have to, they have to look at, you know, in, at individual systems. They may also have other custom databases outside of their core records management systems, you know, things like gangs or tattoos uh, or, or other types of databases that they've created uh, within the organization um, inside of each of these databases, the names could be represented differently because nobody has quote unquote normalized the data over time. And it becomes a satellite database that somebody manually logs into uh in each system to see if they can inquire about previous encounters with a subject. So a scenario, uh, might be that an officer stops a car, say for reckless driving, uh, from a safety perspective, before the officer approaches a vehicle, they run the plate, they see what comes up, things such as, you know, who's the vehicle registered to, uh, the address of the registration, if the owner has any wants or convictions, et cetera. Uh, before Alpine had been engaged to help to, d- to distill that data and perform that entity resolution, the officer would call in uh, the stop. They would run the basics from the record management system. Uh, they pro- possibly have to run a lookup at the command center into two, three, four, or more systems to see if they could find anything on the individual. Obviously, that takes a lot of time. Um, they may search on an exact name or, or an address, there's a lot of typos often in names, uh, even addresses or the subject has moved addresses. So things don't pop up that exist or may have, may be represented differently uh, in the disparate systems. So given the scenario uh, that we just talked about, there's so many improvements and value benefits that we, we could address ranging like from efficiency of staff at the command center, uh, data quality improvements, um, for better reporting and identification, uh, breadth of understanding across the client data, uh, officer safety in the field, and, and there's more. Um, let's just address the, the officer safety as an example. Thinking about officer safety and and how entity resolution helps, when an officer stops a vehicle, they want to know who the vehicle is registered to, who the driver might be, uh, are there any warrants or convictions for the for the driver? But what about the passenger that that might be in the vehicle? Does the driver have known ties to high risk individuals, um, such as when the officer, you know, if, if the officer approaches the vehicle, should they be cautious or more cautious than they would normally be because of a potential relationship with a violent offender uh, to be affiliated with that driver? Before entity resolution, the officer would call it in. They'd wait for several minutes. Command center might come back with an incomplete view uh, of the vehicle and the individual. And the officer would approach the vehicle only to be ambushed. Sadly, this did happen only a few months after we deployed um, in another municipality, a large municipality north of where, where our client was. The officer was shot and killed and killed. Um, had they had the insight based on all the information that that we were led to to understand, it's likely that this situation wouldn't have happened. So it's really about getting a good global view of your data. Truly, it's big data. Who's who, who knows whom, and how are they related? Um, there's a bit more to the solution uh, that, would make, that would have made this more pragmatic in the real world because the officer can't sit in the vehicle until all the data comes back without an unreasonable delay to, to the subject that's being stopped. So typically they get the fundamental information coming back that, that had been reported, but the officer carries a mobile device in most agencies anymore um, that our agency issued. And if, uh, if there's something that's perhaps a bit more concerning about the individual, the system could send a vibration alert to the officer's mobile device and and that could be used to signal, "Hey, use some caution." Um, if there's a, a more significant concern, the system could send a vibration and an audible alert to the officer, you know, as they as they approach the vehicle, letting them know that they should use more extreme caution. We did this, and and it w- we did it because the officer can't approach the vehicle staring at the mobile device the entire time and not being focused on what they're doing in the course of normal police work and being safe you know themselves. So that level of messaging uh, can be used to help highlight that on behalf of the officer and um, at least give them a, a chance to uh, do so without encountering, hopefully, a, a more serious or sinister uh, situation. So we've provided some an- anecdotal insights about entity resolution, but to help you to even better comprehend it from a business perspective or justification point of view, Earl, can you share some of the insights that we've garnered over the years? You betcha, you, Stan. Um,
0: you know the the base problem that entity resolution really solves is a is a data quality problem, and we know that uh, it's very easy for organizations now to collect and store data. Um, you know, data is doubling nearly. Every year, 18 months, uh, we're just getting bigger and bigger stores of data, and we know less and less of what to do with that. It's harder to derive value from that data. Um, And so uh, many, many companies hire tons of analysts, um, data analytics people to come in there and help them try and squeeze some value out of their data stores. But it's just not happening. The, the, The problems are getting more complex and people are having problems. In fact, nearly 40% of data professionals spend half their time prepping data rather than analyzing it. So rather than dishing out valuable insights uh, to executives to help them making decisions, these data professionals are using things like Microsoft Excel, um, you know, command prompts just to format the data so they can actually look at it and try and squeeze some insight out of it. So wasting a lot of time and resources just trying to, to get the, the data into a usable format to um, you know, delete duplicates, uh, to standardize and normalize that data. Uh, and then once they, uh, they're they able to get it in a format where they can analyze it and they start dishing out those insights, only one in three companies trust the data and analytics that they generate. And that's uh, that comes from Forrester uh, and KPMG. They did a survey to um, analytics professionals and, and uh, executives. So there, there's just not a level of trust in there. If, if, if uh, two-thirds of companies out there don't trust the data and insights they have, you know, we've got a serious data quality problem. And then fully 70% of C-level executives believe that their data and analytics processes and practices expose them to reputational or oper- operational risk. So, you know, we're making decisions out there, but the executives are, are really hedgy about, you know, I, I don't know. These decisions are based on shaky data and I'm going to put an asterisk on everything that I'm that I'm saying here. Um, and, and that's scary, especially when all of us have 401ks and retirement plans. And it's kind of scary to me to know that uh, executives out there are making decisions that they're not confident in. Uh, Because they can't get a handle on their data, their data quality, and they know that they're making suboptimal decisions based on this dirty data. So, you know, hopefully, this provides you some insights on what entity resolution is. It really helps you get a handle on your data uh, to understand the individuals, organizations that you're doing uh, business with, and that can help you, you know, tackle the the large volumes of data that you have and derive better insights from it. Um, you know, For those of you that are interested in, in learning more about uh, entity resolution, um, what it is and what the benefits are, we're gonna post a brief document that outlines what we found to be very helpful to organizations considering starting this journey and, and some of the benefits of the technology.
1: Of course, we'd love a chance to talk with you about your challenges. Um, what we and we can also make more specific recommendations to get started. Uh, but this should at least help you get moving in the right direction uh, with little to no uh, formal investment uh, cost-wise. Uh, but it, but I think it's all information that would really at least help you to better understand what your what your value proposition would be to your. To your organization and what the um, what the scope of the issue is as well. It's a it's a good chance uh, without engaging anyone on the outside to to look internally and understand what your your general exposure might be. So we'd love to hear more about uh, about your specific situations, and we'll uh, we'll also provide you with an opportunity to submit requests for other uh, inquiries, things you might want to learn more about, Earl and I will do our best to, to respond to those. And uh, we look forward to talking with you all very soon. Thanks for your time to listen to our experiences, and we'd love a chance to hear more for, about your organization's challenges. If you have specific topics that you might like for us to address, include, uh, including threat and fraud scenarios, uh, that you have encountered please drop us an email at podcast at com. on behalf of earl and myself thank you very much for your time if you'd like to learn a little bit more about alpine please visit us at www.alpineinc.com or contact earl stevens at e stevens at alpineinc.com